You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network. We're serving you up quick-hitting news and analysis for Green Bay Packers fans. I'm joined by my good friend Gil Martin, and my name is J.J. Leahy. Gil's a writer for thesportsdaily.com and Cheesehead TV. And in addition to this podcast, I host the Daily Cheese Green Bay Packers News Update. We're here to talk Packers because we're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. We're looking to bounce back from last week's disappointing performance in the 28-22 loss to the Minnesota Vikings. And looking ahead to this week's Thursday night matchup, very short week, versus our old nemesis, the San Francisco 49ers. Gil, let's start things off by a brief look at what went wrong at home in Lambeau in a game that, let's be honest, we could have won at the end there, but we didn't deserve to. Yeah, I think that sums it up perfectly. Didn't deserve to, but we had our chances. And look, to me, it came down to two two words, run defense. And unfortunately for Packer fans, that is a very familiar refrain going back to the way last season ended in the NFC Championship game, ironically against the team we play Thursday, the San Francisco 49ers. I want to add another thought here. I was really disappointed with the offense. You look at the scores that the Vikings have been putting up all year, holding them to 28 points, even with Dalvin Cook setting, you know, yet another running back record against the Packers and putting up four touchdowns individually. Yeah, that aside, holding the Vikings to 28 points, you really can't be mad about that. I mean, we were looking, if you look at um, our score predictions from last week, if you told us, hey, the Vikings are going to score 28 points, how do you feel about that? I think we would both take that and say, okay, I'm actually, I would be happy with our defense holding them to 28 points here. I mean, they put up 34 against us in week one. Uh, Yeah, 28, I'll I'll take that. Our offense really never got going again after halftime. I was really frustrated because, yeah, the the defense looked terrible, but toward the end of the game, they were getting stops. They were putting the ball back in Aaron Rodgers' hands, and we couldn't do anything with it. And that, to me, uh, really was the bigger reason why we lost this. Well, I think the wind had a lot to do with it, and and I think on both sides of the ball. I mean, defensively, we knew the Vikings weren't able to throw the ball downfield. We knew they were going to feed Dalvin Cook, and yet we couldn't stop them in spite of that. And then offensively, I think, you know, Rodgers couldn't get the ball more than, let's say, 10, 12 yards down the field. You look at Devontae Adams. Yeah. What was it? Seven catches, but for 53 yards, if I'm not mistaken, Uh, you know, not a lot of down the field throws. The one fairly deep throw that he made, which was to Tanyan, you know, that would have been a touchdown if the wind didn't hold it up and Tanyan didn't have to come back sort of for that ball. And it was difficult to get the ball downfield. And unfortunately, what bothered me was that the Packers did not run some of those seven or eight yard crossing patterns or or some shorter 
you know, scheme some players open on shorter routes because that was one of the adjustments that had to be made when the winds are gusting at 25, 30, 35 miles an hour in Lambeau Field. Yeah, Rogers talked about that today, that they're um, obviously this is a, a rhythm offense and it really matters. And he pointed out that their efficiency on first and second down has been really bad the last few weeks compared to how just dynamic and tempo and beautiful their offense was to start the season off. I, I get that the win made it really hard to throw the ball. I totally get that, which is why I'm confused why they kept trying to go back to that. Well, and like you said, they weren't doing the, they weren't doing the short crossing routes and the, you know, the shorter, you know, dink and dunk gains. They also abandoned the run, which I don't get because Jamal Williams yeah, he's not Aaron Jones, but he was averaging 4.7 yards, technically 4.69, but per carry. And, you know, A.J. Dillon wasn't awful. He had a couple of runs that were bad, but he had a lot of good ones as well. And why, I, I'm frustrated with, honestly, some of the play calling here. It doesn't feel like LeFleur's offense to me. It feels a lot more like, the kind of stuff that we saw in in 2018 when the Packers offense was just, you know, forcing the ball to Devontae over and over, forcing the ball downfield. And last year, there were a couple times when we saw them switch to that mode and get away from, you know, the runs and throwing out of run formations and, you know, just started bombing it deep downfield. It, it never works for us. And I'm we saw it. You and I talked about this. We saw it uh, last week against the Texans a bit, but they had a little bit more success. My big question here is the Vikings have a terrible defense. Yeah, the win made it hard for us to attack their horrible corners, but they also they don't have anybody along the defensive line, so why couldn't we run? Yeah, you know, unfortunately what happened was it seems to me the Packers go into this game with a game plan probably to attack those corners who, you know, we were talking in last week's show, second, third string guys, guys coming right off the practice squad. And that's what you, in theory, want to do. But when the wind and the conditions in the stadium made changing that game plan a necessity, it just doesn't seem to me that LaFleur and the Packers offense adjusted quickly enough and well enough. And the result was, you know, in the second half, the offense stalled out and... Look, even in the first half, you know, you look at the two scoring drives, both teams scored on what, 10, 12 play drives that took seven, eight minutes off the clock. Each team had two possessions in the first half and scored on them. But, you know, in the second half, we just did not make the adjustments we needed to make. And once the offense stalled, the defense didn't make their stops. And all of a sudden we're down by two touchdowns and then it's desperation time and we tried to come back, but didn't quite have enough in the tank at the end of the game. And, you know, th- this is one of those contests that the Packers should have won, could have won, but I-, I think they didn't execute well. They didn't make enough adjustments on both sides of the ball to the weather conditions and to what was happening. And, you know, I'll say it again, the Vikings, in spite of the fact that their secondary was an issue, they were determined to take Devontae Adams out of the game and for the most part, except inside the 10-yard line, I think they between them and the wind, they more or less succeeded, and the Packers did not have a plan B. 
that right there is one of the things that is bothering me is the lack of adjustment. And I want to call for Matt LaFleur to hold himself and his team to a higher standard. I'm a little bit sick of seeing two years in a row now here when Devontae Adams is gone, our offense looks better because they have to actually scheme guys open. They have to actually follow LaFleur's offense and distribute the ball you know, to other guys, have a run game. And when Devontae's in the game, it's not his fault, but I think he's a crutch. He's a crutch for Rodgers. And I'm, lately, I think it feels like he's been a clutch or a, a crutch for LaFleur. On, on defense, I also want LaFleur to have a higher standard here. I want him to hold Mike Pettin and the players to a higher standard here. The Packers played in base defense for a large portion of that game and still couldn't stop the run. And it was not always an issue with the play calling. Now, sometimes, yeah, there were some crummy call uh, plays that were called. But there were other times when you have unblocked defenders who should have a an opportunity to bring Dalvin Cook down, and they can't tackle. They can't bring him down. The Packers, a lot of people have probably seen the stat going around that the Packers are ranked dead last in the league for tackling. Well, that's not a play calling issue. I'm still holding Mike Pettin accountable because it's his job to teach his players to tackle. And it's also Matt LaFleur's job to say, look, my defense isn't getting it done. We're putting guys in the position where they're unblocked and telling them you have to bring Dalvin Cook down or Alvin Kamara or Raheem Mostert or anybody. And they're not executing. Today, it was the uh, NFL trade deadline. There was a lot of talk about wide receiver Will Fuller. And there were other people saying, well, you know, instead of getting a wide receiver, we really need to get some more help for the defense. And I'm going, no, I don't want more help for the defense. We already have elite players on defense. Zadarius Smith, Kenny Clark, Adrian Amos, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary. These are good football players and they're not doing their jobs. So, no, I don't want to give Mike Pettin more expensive uh, elite expensive players that he's not going to use correctly. I don't want more guys who whether it's attitude or effort or whatever, are not executing. I mean, I mean, this is basic football stuff. This isn't like, hey, we need to teach these guys some you know, clever, fancy moves. It's, hey, there's a guy right in front of you, and you have your arms around him. Here's an idea. Don't let him get away. Stop him. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what we pay you millions of dollars to do. If you can't do it, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm trading you to the Jets. <laughs> I, I tell you, the touchdown pass the 50-yard little screen pass to Dalvin Cook was like deja vu all over again for Packer fans and for that Packer defense. It reminded me of Alvin Kamara earlier Uh this season. It reminded me of uh, Raheem Mostert on like four or five different plays in the NFC Championship game. It was very frustrating to see Preston Smith and Kamal Martin and Zadarius Smith and... Chris Barnes, and I I have to say it, uh, one player I've been very disappointed with over the course of this season, uh, who I expected more from in year two was Darnell Savage. Yeah, he's been been invisible. Oh, he's been taking terrible angles to the ball, and, and he's been out of position, and gap integrity for this defense just wasn't there at all this past week, and, and it hasn't been there too often. Uh, and I'll tell you, look, you can play the pass 
defense first, bend, don't break, make the other team make a mistake defense. And, you know, in 10 out of 16 games, that will be good because your opponent isn't efficient enough to make that long 12 play 75 yard drive without penalties or turnovers or something getting in the way. But when you go up against elite teams, if you want to win a Super Bowl, this strategy with this unit, the way they're playing right now, is not going to get the job done. The 49ers game. Gil, this is a nasty looking matchup that we got. Uh, <laughs> frankly, neither team is ready to play a football game in, what, two days. We have a burgeoning crisis here on our hands in Green Bay. So we found out yesterday morning, that would be Monday morning, that A.J. Dillon tested positive for COVID-19. They did contact tracing. Who has AJ been in close contact with that we need to put into quarantine? Unfortunately, one of the two guys was Jamal Williams. So if you're keeping score at home, Aaron Jones has been injured for two weeks. AJ Dillon and Jamal Williams are both held out. As far as I can tell, there's no possible way that they would be cleared to return to the field by Thursday, which means... We have Tyler Irvin, who has been dealing with a wrist injury for quite some time. We have Dexter Williams on the practice squad and no ability to bring in new running backs off the street because of COVID. There's not time for anybody to clear a quarantine protocol. You are limited to strictly only the guys on your roster. So maybe Aaron Jones gets healthy and plays, but then you have... You you have the question here of if you're if you rush him back too early, are you really risking a longer term injury where he misses even more time? Maybe he's going to miss the playoffs. That would suck. Do you have a do we have any wide receivers or I don't know corners or tight ends who could line up at running back? I know Jay Sternberger in theory could do it. What's uh, John Lovett? Right, um, John Lovett. Uh, so he's actually a former quarterback, but he's also has played running back and tight end and uh, or running back and fullback. And, and now he's listed as a tight end. So he's another option. This is rough, though. Mm. This is really rough. Well, you could see we're pushing the envelope. here. <laughs> once you once you start talking about taking the former college quarterback who now plays tight end and H back and making him uh, one of your feature running backs, you know that. You know, you, you, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel. And then what does Dexter Williams have about five career NFL carries uh, right now? And, you know, when we last saw Dexter Williams on the field, he was making a very poor attempt at a uh, p- at punt protection. And we had a blocked punt by the guy he was trying to stop. Uh, and J.K. Scott's punt was blocked and that ended up hurting the Packers uh, in that game. So that, that's when we last saw Dexter Williams. We have, there's, there's kind of two options that I see here. Option a is that Aaron Jones is good to go. And he was held out as just a precaution for the Vikings game. I mean, you and I thought that he was held out of the Texans game as a precautionary measure. The fact that they held him out of the Vikings game lends to maybe the idea that the injury is a little bit more serious than what we thought. I have to imagine he probably is okay to play, but there is the issue of if this is too early of a return, are we really risking losing him 
longer turn. So option option two here, especially if I'm Matt LaFleur, I mean, next man up is a big mentality here in Green Bay. We don't have any options. So Dexter, we have coached you on how to do this. There's been issues in your execution. That doesn't matter. You are the guy this week. You have to do what we have coached you how to do. We have invested a lot of hours in you. Well, not hours. I mean, months. We've we've invested months of coaching into (laughs) you. You have been given all the tools to succeed. If you want to remain on this team, this is a situation where you have to perform. And and I will say Dexter is a yeah there's there's definitely issues especially in pass protection and and man that's going to be an issue We're, you're going to see some some probably some really clever play calling from Lafleur with more tight ends and stuff to be more involved in pass protection um, but as a runner I really have always liked Dexter's potential he's he's very quick. You give him the ball, especially in the preseason last year, you give him the ball and like he wouldn't always find the hole. He always felt like he was on the verge of, of breaking free and getting a, a big game. I never thought with Dexter Williams that the issue was his ability to run the football. I know he can be at least a serviceable running back uh, carrying the football. To me, the two issues are pass protection, which is the biggest issue, and then route running. Now, Irvin can come in on obvious passing downs and take care of the route running. Uh, and I think you may even be able to use either a Lovett or a Sternberger or, you know, as an H back, if you're concerned about route running, but that pass protection situation, so much of the Packers offense is built around the idea that we have, you know, the same formation and the same personnel, but we may run, you know, a running play on one of them and a passing play on another, and a, you know, fake a jet sweep one time from the formation, and then run one another time, that deception is greatly reduced if you don't have a running back in there who is reliable in pass protection, and that's my biggest concern with Dexter Williams. He can carry the ball. I think he can do just fine, but can he protect Aaron Rodgers and and get the job done you know, running routes out of the backfield. That's what kept him on the bench last year. And unless he shows he's improved, that's what's holding him back right now. I see two ways forward because I I think I'm not really going to entertain the idea of Aaron Jones. It might happen, but with the information that I have, I I can't make any sort of a call about whether or not Aaron Jones will play. I, I see two ways forward here. And one of them gives me a lot of confidence in Matt LaFleur and one doesn't option that I am concerned about is maybe they just try and throw the ball all day. And I don't see any way you beat the 49ers this Thursday doing that. No, no way. Option two is LaFleur shows us why he got the job. He is a allegedly, and, and we have seen it at times, a, a brilliant offensive mind. I'm, I'm still going to call him that even though the last few weeks have been bad on offense. You have an opportunity here to get creative. I mean the the Niners are not going to what going to know what to expect. They they have no clue what you're going to do. Make a lot of use of your tight ends. Make Dexter your featured running back for the day. I I have a lot of concerns about Tyler Irvin because he's had this nasty wrist injury that I mean he he missed essentially 3 weeks with it and then mm-hmm. did hardly anything against the Vikings 
you know, that he he was out there on special teams, but he wasn't doing returns. I think that that is directly linked to the wrist injury. And then, you know, they, they gave him the ball one time. Maybe it was on a jet sweep. I can't remember. Maybe it was just an outside zone run. Uh, what did he, he fumbled it, I think. It was it, it looked bad, and it didn't look like him. It looked like he was not playing up to his normal ability physically. So I, I, I think you're right. You got to use Irvin more for misdirection and stuff. This is, this is the opportunity. I'm not going to give Matt LaFleur any room for excuses here. We're about to go through the injury report. This is a game you have to win, especially yeah. you can't put up two stinker games back to back against the Vikings and the 49ers. You got to come out with this. You can't play poorly, you know, not even just back to back games, but three out of four games. If you go back to the Bucks game yeah. and, you know, you start off four and oh, and then you have three out of four stinkers that really derails the momentum. And it makes a lot of people question, was that four and oh, start smoke and mirrors. And look, the, the the Packers have a chance, quite honestly, to help bury the 49ers, who are almost as banged up, if not more so, than the Packers right now. Uh, you, you beat this San Francisco team, and they're in trouble. They may not even make the playoffs. Uh, the Packers, you know, we're a half game ahead of the Chicago Bears right now in the division. There's not a lot of margin for error here. And, you know, you want to talk about winning the division. You want to talk about playoff seeding or even just making the playoffs because there's a lot of competition in the NFC the Packers need to have a good game in San Francisco and let's take let's face facts the last three trips to California one to LA two to San Francisco it's been ugly and if they have another stinker uh, of a performance that's going to get inside their heads the 49ers are missing like half their starters uh, Nick Bosa in particular, who absolutely just, you know, ruined our entire year last year and colored the talk of most of our off season. He's on IR and they did trade away DeForest Buckner. So looking at the rest of the guys who are uh, on the injury report this week, uh, George Kittle broke his ankle. He's not playing. Jimmy Garoppolo out for eight weeks. Yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo has an ankle injury. I don't know exactly what he did to it. I, I might've been just a, a twisted ankle, but he's out for, uh, uh, I think six weeks. I did hear a couple four to six weeks. Yeah. They're missing Dante Pettis. Uh, they're missing Debo Samuel linebacker. Quan Alexander was just traded away to the saints. Right. Missing Te- uh, Tevin Coleman, missing Raheem Mostart, which will be a, a relief for Packer fans who remember the NFC championship game and running back Jeffrey Wilson is out also. So three running backs unavailable right now for the San Francisco 49ers against Green Bay. Gil, can you go ahead and read off that other linebacker name for us? Come on, you got this. <laughs> well, which Demetrius Flanagan fouls. <laughs> you and I were struggling so hard before we started recording. How in the world do you say this guy's name? You did. That was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, he did not practice uh, yesterday. Uh, he's dealing with a hamstring. So a uh, lot, lot, uh, lot of players on this injury list for San Francisco. And look, the Packers injury list is longer, but I think more of these players have a chance to play than the guys on the San Francisco list. Yeah. Everybody on the Niners injury report did not participate. Um, Only a few guys on the Packers list did not participate. Most guys were limited. Uh, Jamal and Kamal Martin 
both those guys are in quarantine, so that's why they didn't practice. Rick Wagner. Now that that's more concerning because we're already missing Bakhtiari. Could he return? He has been limited in practice for two weeks now. Could we see the return of Bakhtiari, do you think? I think so. If Look, if he's ready to go, he will. Bakhtiari, limited participant in practice. Rick Wagner did not practice yesterday. Today, limited participant in practice. So hope at least for that one of them, if not both of them, will be available. And I'll say this about Rick Wagner. He's done a pretty good job uh, subbing in at right tackle whenever he's been called upon. So, uh, yeah, he has. you know, pleased with his performance, but yeah, injuries are a big part of it. But, you know, I look at this matchup coming up and one of the things that has me concerned right now. And to me, this goes back to coaching confidence. You, you, you lay an egg against Tampa Bay. You come back against Houston, you lay an egg against Minnesota. Here's a team that last year, whooped us twice badly in San Francisco or excuse me, in Santa Clara, you head back out to the same location and playing them again. This team has to come in there with a nasty attitude. They have to be ready to play against a team that really showed them up twice and denied them a trip to the Super Bowl in January. There's got to be a sense of urgency there's got to be a sense of intensity and there's got to be a solid performance out there or else you start to wonder about the heart of this team. And it bothered me when I look back at the two losses this year, the Tampa Bay game and the Minnesota game. The one thing that bothers me in, in a pattern that I see about both of those games that the Packers cannot let happen again, they fell behind and they never really got back into the game they didn't have the heart or the the uh, the right state of mind to come back. If they take an early lead, they're great. But you fall behind, you've got to have a different mentality, and you've got to be able to claw back into football games. And so far, I haven't seen this team do it with the exception of week two against Detroit. And that was what, in the first quarter that they were down 14 to three at that point? So I need to see a little bit more from this team preparation-wise and and mentality wise and to me a lot of that is coaching well let's let's talk about coaching we have a new tradition here where every week on the show we're going to try and debate a hot topic and we have a poll on twitter had a great response in week one because they voted that i won but (laughs) in week week two uh unfortunately somehow you you won that debate and in the in the eyes of our listeners so I need to redeem myself. We're going to have another debate. We're going to talk about defensive coordinator because there's a lot of people calling for Mike Pettin's head. So here's the question. Let's say that you do fire Mike Pettin. Who do you replace him with? Well, uh, my choice would be to stay within the organization and go with Jerry Gray. Right now, he is the defensive backs coach, but here's a guy with 23 years of NFL coaching experience and eight years as a defensive coordinator both with Buffalo and with Tennessee. And, you know, you need someone, at least if they're going to be an interim defensive coordinator, who will have enough continuity that it won't be a complete change for the players, but is also experienced, someone the players can look up to and respect, and someone who knows the guys on this roster already and may have a few different ideas as to how to best utilize them and prepare them. So 
I think you stick within the organization. You go with Jerry Gray. And maybe if you don't see improvement over the last half of this season, you reevaluate that during the offseason. But if in the event that they were to let go of their defensive coordinator, Mike Pettin, I stick with Jerry Gray. One option that I, one problem I see with that, who handles the play calling? And I, I think you might be in a situation where you have to turn offensive play calling duties over to Nathaniel Hackett and let Matt LaFleur call plays for the defense for the rest of the year if you were to fire Mike Patton, you know, halfway through the season. For that reason, I, I think I think that firing Patton midseason just isn't really an option for me. And that does open up some opportunities to look outside the organization. So I'm looking at defensive coaching staffs around the league that have a lot of potential. And obviously the first one that jumps to mind is the Steelers. They're what seven and zero right now, really good defense. They had an even better defense last year, but uh, defenses across the board are, are not great this year. Steelers are still really good this year. There's a guy on their coaching staff, defensive line coach, Carl Dunbar. He's has 14 years coaching experience. I really like the potential here. He actually, he was uh, on the Vikings coaching staff for a while. He was their defensive line coach for uh, several years, five five years, I believe. He's been with the Steelers since 2018, so two years, but both of, both of them have been very good. This year, the Steelers have three guys along their defensive line who grayed out in the top 10 in the NFL. I mean, that's massive. It, it, you, sh- you should be happy if you get one guy who creates out in the top 10. They have three who rank top 10 uh, at, at their position. So I like the potential here. This is a guy who has had so much success in his career. I think maybe you give him a shot at defensive coordinator. You know, get get a get an opportunity to, to see what he can do. All right. Well, we, we will leave this up to our listeners, and uh, we will both pin this uh survey to our Twitter feeds and please feel free to vote. And uh, JJ, why don't you tell them uh, uh, where they can vote? So go to Twitter. Our handles are at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy. That's L-A-H-E-Y. And uh, please vote, especially if you're going to vote for me. But absolutely, <laughs> we we really, really love uh, getting that engagement from our fans. It's nice to see. We're really looking forward to uh, this Thursday night game because of all the potential here for LaFleur and Petten to rise to the occasion, show what they can do on a short week, maybe catch the 49ers at a vulnerable moment, catch them napping. I got to imagine that they are underestimating us. But we will be right back here next week to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Follow us on Twitter, at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. Please make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Not